your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Hill in motion to the right. Snap back. Haskins looks, holds, has some time. Gun toward the end zone. Pass is. Is it intercepted? Yes. Picked off. Lamar Jackson with an INT in the end zone. And the Husker defense forces their third turnover of the day. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Good evening. Welcome to Sports Island here on a Wednesday night. Thank you so much for choosing us to spend part of your evening with. Good show coming up. Practice report. We'll hear from Troy Walters, Husker offensive coordinator, who met with the media following today's workout. We'll hit the Blitz, the Big Ten Blitz. We'll check in at Purdue, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. They all have interesting matchups coming up this weekend, all on the road, incidentally. All three of those programs taking their show on the road for week one. Hour number two, it's our August edition of the Athletic Director Show. Bill Moose will be in studio. We'll talk to the head honcho, first show for him since May. A lot to get into, including today's announcement of the retirement of bowling coach Bill Straub. We'll get into that. His thoughts about the upcoming football season. Just a lot to talk about with Bill Moose. So looking forward to that. And we'll certainly look for your phone calls, your comments, and questions to the Husker AD in hour number two. Third hour, Bicell is back after a long hiatus due to Ben's traveling the world. But he's in studio tonight, so we'll get into that in hour number three. And we'll check in with our Major League Baseball in Insider Lane Grindle. And as always, phone lines are open for you at 866 Husker 1 866 487 5371. You have a saying you love to put your hat on during this time of year that no news is good news. Because usually when something gets brought up that's newsworthy during fall camp or football practices, more times than not, it's of the negative variety, and that's the case today with these indefinite suspensions of Andre Hunt and Katerian Lagrone. Yeah, really disappointing news today. Um, I mean, it's a, it, you would almost prefer an injury to this type of thing because this means you know guys aren't taking care of business off the off the field, and you know we talk all the time and have been talking a lot about culture, character, um, you know, leadership, and all those you know, fundamental values that, that make a good program. And when you have a situation like, like a suspension, uh, that's called into question. And, and, you, and you wonder what these guys are doing and how they're handling themselves off the field. And, you know, with a couple of the other news stories that were put out, you know, over the course of the summer on, on some guys, you know, it's you hope it's not an epidemic and and I know coach Frost and this coaching staff put a lot of pride in the character and the kids that they recruit and they wouldn't recruit kids that they would think would come here and do that type of thing and get themselves into trouble that being said these young guys still have to make the right decisions and and there's a lot of responsibility that falls on their shoulders as players as young men as college students that the coaches can't make those decisions for them and they can be raised the right way. They can be, you know, brought up to, to believe in the right things, but being in college is something that you can't really prepare for. And, you know, things happen. Uh, you're put in certain social situations that you've probably never been in before. And, you know, whatever the case may be, the academic side of it, no matter what area it is off the field, you still have to make the right decisions and a couple of the guys on the team have not made the right decisions. And I know, you know, as disappointed as I am, as you are, as any of the fans are, 
um, as I'm sure the players are, their parents are. I'm sure the coaches are the ones most disappointed in this type of situation because they're the ones that bring them here to Nebraska to represent the end and and represent the type of program that they want to have. And anytime you have to make an announcement like this, cannot be fun as a coach. And now they, you know, they've they've got decisions to make, and I'm sure some type of investigation to. to to go through and, and find details to whatever the situation is. Details lacking here. Well, all we got was kind of the, the couple quick things that Troy Walter said at practice today, and he would not elaborate on what they did to deserve the indefinite suspension. Uh, so details are very skinny, skimpy about what they did. To me, it, these are two redshirt freshmen. These are guys who have been here for a full year. They've been a part of this program. They know what the expectations are. They know what the standards are for this program. We see this, and we saw it some over the summer with some poor decisions made by true freshmen. Just away from home for the first time, you're going to get that. The percentages are a lot higher for that. But these guys have been here for a full year. They know what Coach Frost expects of them to do. Yes, young people make mistakes, but – just disappointing. These guys who've been here a year, redshirt freshmen, this was going to be their first opportunity to really play. Uh, now that's that's gone because of something that they did or allegedly have done. And that's the disappointing part is you felt like they've they've paid their dues of of wasting the redshirt year. You know, getting that hard hurdle yeah. out of the way of of not knowing you're not going to play every Saturday. But you know, if you think of a guy like Andre Hunt, that was a guy Nebraska was counting on to give them snaps. Yeah, and, and now. You know, that's all taken away, and and we don't know for how long. We don't know how severe of, of suspension this is going to be, if this is going to result in a, a termination of, of, of the team. We don't know any of those details yet. But the fact that you're going to call that into question three days before your team tees it up, um, it's – it's not a good thing, and, and you hope this is the end of it. It's a distraction, right? It's yes. game week. It's a distraction. These two guys – Huskers will be fine on the field. They'll have they have other bodies that can take the roles of what these two guys would have done this year. That that's not the that's not the point here. This is more of just disappointing that they did something to let their teammates down, their coaches down, uh, perhaps their families down, and then obviously themselves for what they put themselves into. And it's just a distraction here on game week. You don't want those to happen as the closer you get to kick off the season. Well, and here's the other thing. Um, you know, we, we're starting to hear all the time the words negative recruiting of coaches using everything they can against programs. You start to have some of these things pop up. No doubt. You better believe coaches that aren't above negative recruiting put that in the holster for when they're living rooms. You know, if Nebraska and another team are, are competing for the same player and, you know, anybody can say anything they want to the parents or whoever has influence over these young men that hey look at the track record of this program they have had problems with behavior in the past you can't be start labeling yourself as that type of school and i'm not saying nebraska is that because you know this is a this is a a newer situation that we're dealing with but you don't want to start this becoming a trend of of nebraska being known for the school as as having to suspend guys who are getting in trouble off the field all right disappointing news that came out that after practice today we will have the head coach in studio tomorrow night our first football show is tomorrow at seven o'clock and the head coach will be here himself if there's anything new to add we certainly can ask him tomorrow night time for tonight's practice report 
every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Brought to you by JTEC. With JTEC Construction, it's simple. When it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call for a free, no-obligation assessment. Well, defense day yesterday, offenses turned today, and as we talked about to open up the show, it wasn't good news coming from the offensive coordinator, Troy Walters, announcing the suspension of two of his offensive players, tight end Katerian Lagrone and wide receiver Andre Hunt. And Coach Walters was asked if the depth is okay at wide receiver with Hunt being suspended. Yeah, feel good about the guys. You know, how we practice, we, we practice um, fast. We uh, split fields. So everybody that was a part of our fall camp, was, we, they were getting reps. And so uh, we believe that you get better by taking reps. And, uh, and so I feel comfortable and confident that the guys behind, the guys that we have that are going to suit up or will be able to go out there and make plays. And uh, we cross-train guys. So, you know, J.D., you have to play outside some, inside. Wandell will move guys around and, and uh, go to work. So no Andre Hunt available, but there are still plenty of other guys that uh, we haven't seen a lot of. And, and obviously the biggest name on that list is Wandale Robinson, and he will get significant snaps on Saturday. And uh, Coach Walters was asked about Wandale and why he's listed as a starter on his depth chart. Well, he's a playmaker. He's a playmaker. When, he, when, he gets it, when his number's called, he goes out there and makes plays. He's versatile. You know, he can line up at receiver, line up at running back. Um, but the biggest thing is, is he had a lot of wow plays which means when the ball was in his hands, he, he, he made plays. And as coaches, we, we said, wow. And so, uh, you know, we got to get him on the field. We got to get the ball in his hands because he's, he's dynamic. Ben, I, it's been, we heard so much about him in the spring. Then he doesn't play in the spring game. Now we've heard so much. I cannot wait to see this kid play on Saturday. It's like the, the legendary story that you've been hearing so much about, and yet we, we haven't had eyes on him yet. And they were blowing him up before they even saw him in pads. Yeah. And it's just like, you pump the brakes, coach. Yeah. <laughs> Getting yeah. the fans excited. Well, that's a good thing. But a lot of expectation for Wandale Robinson. I, I can't wait to see him in action on Saturday for the first time, expecting big things out of him from Kentucky. Um, well, what do they need to do on Saturdays? What does Coach Walters want to see of his unit? He spoke to that earlier today. First game of the season, you're not sure what they're really going to do. You know, we're kind of going off of last year's tape and, and what we think, but we've got to be ready to make adjustments. So it really comes down to focusing on us and, and doing what we do. we got to run the football. we got to take care of the football. We can't turn the ball over. Uh, run the football, uh, take care of the football, and then we got to make explosive plays um, and eliminate penalties. And if we do that, then it gives us a chance to win. And um, It's going to be a great opportunity to go to Memorial Stadium and, and, and play in front of the, our fans again. And, and really continue where we left off last year. Nebraska is a heavy favorite in this game. It's it's, it's time to just go put the foot on the throat. Yeah, get yourself some confidence. Get where you need to be mentally, and, and gear up for what's going to be a, a very very big game next week in Boulder. I've done a couple of shows already this week, and I've said the same thing. This, this game's about Nebraska. I mean, you're. And as I've studied South Alabama, they've got a couple of nice parts. But th this is about Nebraska. If Nebraska plays near their potential, this should not be a close football game. Now, things can happen. Nebraska could be off, fumble in the red zone, throw a pick at a certain bad time, have a pump block. Something like, some things, goofy things can happen. But if you just line these teams up and study, 
Nebraska's a big favorite this week. They just are. Head and shoulders, the better football team. Yeah. They're just a better football team than South Alabama, and, and they need to go take care of business on Saturday and, and get everything geared up for what's going to be a, a very big game in Boulder, as I mentioned already. Well, one new part that we have heard a lot about but haven't seen a lot out there yet is Cam Jurgens, who, of course, made the switch to the offensive line and is now at center. Has Coach Walters noticed a difference with Cam Jurgens out there? Definitely noticed a difference. Not surprised. Uh, he's a smart young man, very athletic. Um, picked up the center position very quickly during uh, spring spring ball. And so it was just a matter of him getting healthy. And uh, once he's on the field, man, you notice a difference. I mean, he's able to move guys. He's athletic. He comes off the football. He just he, He's a nasty offensive lineman and uh, really sets the tone up front. Okay, if you were to read that quote, it, it reads a little different than the tone of Coach Walter's voice. He just moves guys off the line. He's nasty. nasty. He just kind of very subtly yeah. you know, <laughs> said that with the tone. But uh, – I, I was on a, a radio show earlier this week as well, and it's. I was asked about Cam Jurgens, and it's 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 hard to quantify what he does to Nebraska offensive line. Yeah, he, he just he's the guy that Scott Frost has been dreaming about at that position for about twelve months, and thank goodness the rehab went quickly with that foot injury that he suffered back in June. He got cleared early last week, so he's had really. Two, by the time we get to kickoff, sorry, he'll have had two full weeks to get going. And Scott Frost did say on Monday, he might be on a pitch count that he may not be able to go the whole game, but that's okay. This game should lend itself to get other yeah, guys in the I was about to say, you're, you're hoping your offense is taking care of business right. and you don't need them out there. Um, but, yeah, so obviously Cam Jurgens a big piece to the O-line. What about the offensive line in general? Coach Walters spoke about that group up front. Yeah, they've come a long ways. Uh, very pleased with their work together as a unit. Um, what you really notice is them really coming off the football and establishing a new line of scrimmage. Uh, I think we're tougher than we were last year. We're more aggressive, more athletic, and so I'm very pleased with that. And this offense all comes down to running the, running the football, and I feel confident going in this first game that we're going to be able to run the football with the guys uh, up front leading the way. That's going to be interesting to watch, too, You know how, how Nebraska is able to run it. What, what do they look like running the ball? And, and how well these guys are, are mixing it with the, the receivers and, 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 you know, obviously the, the running backs too. But to see the mix of run block, pass block with this offensive line is going to be interesting to me. How much of the playbook do you use for this one? Do you go fairly basic? you use 20% feeling with the superior talent? You run your stuff, but you run some of your basic plays that everybody knows you run. That's my guess, right? I don't think yeah, he's I between sure. 20 and 30. I don't think you show a ton of it no. unless you need it. If you need it in the second half and it's still a 10-point game or whatever, yeah, then you may have to put a few more wrinkles in. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not expecting I'm not expecting them to have to to dip into the bag of tricks, you know, too much. One thing that was interesting to me and I was actually going back and listening to some uh, earlier games in uh in in the season last year and uh, some of our broadcasts and we you me and Matt all talked about the speed in which Nebraska's offense was working early in the season. And I don't think it was quite as fast as we expected it to be just because it was the first few games. But I think you did see at times Nebraska's offense get to the line and snap it rather quickly. The speed of not only how quick they run plays, but the speed on the field, how much faster will the offense be this season compared to last? Here's Troy Walters. We're going to try to play fast. Um, 
you know, the guys know the offense. They, 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 they know the, the, the game plan for this week. And so uh, we're going to try to push the pace. And we've done great uh, in the spring. We did well this, this, this fall camp. And uh, so we're going to try to use that to our advantage. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin back with you. Time for the blitz. You up for doing one of these? I can handle it. All right, I'll take, I'll take Purdue and Northwestern. Can you do Wisconsin for sure. us? Sure. Deal. All right, let's roll it. Purdue. The Big Ten Blitz. Purdue. Let's talk about the Boilermakers. And with us, Mike Carmen of the Lafayette Journal Courier. Mike, great to have you with us. Nice matchup coming up Friday. Before we dive into that, give me some updates. There's been a couple of injuries to this team at the running back spot. What can you tell me? Well, Tario Fuller, who was expected to share the number one duties, uh, will be out probably for a month or so. Uh, fractured jaw suffered uh, oh, about 10 days ago in a special teams drill. That leaves uh, Purdue with four traditional running backs, and Xander Horvath, who was a former walk-on, uh, will be the number one guy Friday night. Mike, on the other side of the ball, Lorenzo Neal, a terrific nose guard for the Boilermakers, has also had some injury situations. What's what's his status for this opener? He won't play uh, Friday, and it's unclear whether he'll get back in time for week two against Vanderbilt or even week three against Texas Christian. Oof. Probably looking at the end of the uh, end of September at the earliest uh, for him. He had uh, tore his ACL against IU in the bucket game last year. Had surgery and has just not progressed to a point where he can he can get on the field and practice. Of those two spots, running back in that middle of that defense, which is the bigger concern in your eyes? Uh, the middle of the defense. Yeah. Uh, they've got more bodies up front now. Uh, some guys with a little bit more experience. And the defensive line has had a pretty good camp. But Lorenzo is the star of that. And we saw what happened last year when he wasn't available for Auburn. Uh, you know, they, they, got, they got run over. But they, they feel they're in a better position this year with some depth. And then they've added uh, freshman George Karloftis. Uh, he'll start at one defensive end. Uh, he's a guy that has a high motor, plays with a lot of physicality. Uh, they expect him to, to make some plays this year. I expect him to make some plays this year. I think he'll have a pretty big, big, pretty big impact. But how that, how that front holds up, you know, as, as it goes in football, will determine how your defense plays. Okay, the Boilers open up in about 48 hours on the road at Nevada. Size this matchup up for us. Well, they're going to face uh, a redshirt freshman quarterback in Carson Strong. Uh, I don't believe he's thrown a pass since his junior year in high school. Uh, but he has a good receiving group. Uh, they've got some guys back uh, that, that have made some, made some plays for him last year. And they run that odd 3-3-5 uh, defense that, uh, that Purdue's offense is going to have to tackle. The biggest question for Purdue is the offensive line, three new starters. Can they protect uh, Elijah Sindelar? If he can get some time, I mean, as you know, Purdue's got some weapons uh, on the receiver, receiver end, starting with Rondell Moore. And a couple freshmen to watch with Milton Wright and David Bell, I think, are, are going to have a big impact this year. Boiler's a pretty big favorite. You, were you picking picking this one? Well, I'll pick Purdue. I think there'll be some choppy play early, like in every season opener, and some unwanted flags. But I think Purdue eventually settle down, kind of get control of the game in the second half and, and win. All right. Boilermakers at Nevada, Friday night, 830 on the CBS Sports Network. Mike Carmen, thank you so much, sir. Have a great night. Thanks. 
Wisconsin. And it is time to talk Badgers. Now we go to Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Jesse, before we start diving into USF, let's talk about the offseason that Wisconsin had. I know last year didn't go how anybody in Madison would have hoped. And hearing from the, the players that they brought to media days, a lot of talk about that Minnesota game. How did the, the fans and everybody that you interact with on a daily basis take last season and, and, and use that into this season? Well, there's no question that what happened last season was considered a disappointment by the players, by the coaches, and certainly by the fans. And a lot of that has to do with the expectations coming into a season. Wisconsin was coming off a school record 13-win season in 2017, had a lot of pieces back on offense, and the expectation was that, hey, maybe this is the year that Wisconsin can break through and get to the college football playoff. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. The Badgers wound up 8-5, and five, but... I think it was humbling. I think it was good for some people on the team because they realized you don't just walk out there on game day and win games because they saw how much success they had in 2017. So they went back to work, and I think this is a better football team that they're going to put on the field this season. Obviously, the big story was quarterback with Wisconsin, with Hornibrook transferring down to Tallahassee. Uh, obviously, a lot of excitement about Graham Mertz, but tell us about how the quarterback battle has gone and, and ultimately the decision that Coach Christ had to, to start the more experienced player and what the outlook is on that position. There really wasn't much of a quarterback competition when it came to picking a starter. Junior Jack Cohn is going to be the starting quarterback for Wisconsin. He took all the first-team offensive reps during spring practice, and he continued to do so during fall. And at a certain point, it wasn't just because he had the most experience. Last year, he did start four games when Alex Hornibrook was injured. He wound up winning the job because of what he did with those reps. I thought he was clearly the most consistent quarterback who made the fewest mistakes during fall camp based on the practices that reporters had an opportunity to see. So he's the guy coming into this season. I know he worked very hard in the offseason on his leadership skills, on becoming a better quarterback. They're going to have to be able to take some shots down the field and complete them to keep defenses honest. That was one area where Wisconsin struggled last season, but I, I think he's made the necessary strides. You mentioned Graham Mertz. He's the most highly rated quarterback Wisconsin has signed in the online ranking era, which goes back about two decades. He and Chase Wolf, who's a redshirt freshman from Ohio, really battled in an extremely entertaining backup quarterback competition, and both those guys are listed as co-backups. So I would say that this is the deepest quarterback room that Wisconsin has had in quite some time. You mentioned it a little bit, but for Paul Chris, what's best case scenario of what this offense looks like? You obviously want to try and balance it out, but they do still have the best back in college football and Jonathan Taylor, great tight end in Ferguson. What, when Wisconsin's at its best, what is it supposed to look like? Well, Paul Christ has said multiple times, and he has been asked repeatedly about whether this offense can be more balanced. And he said this week, there's no doubt that we've got to be more balanced, and players have to earn the right for that to happen. You're right. They have Jonathan Taylor back. He's the reigning Doak Walker Award winner. Has put up unbelievable numbers through his first two years, 4,100-plus uh, yards more than any other running back in the first two years of their career in college football history. So he's the bell cow. Having said that, he won the Doak Walker last year, and Wisconsin still lost five games. Now, that, that's not all on the offense. Special teams and defense contributed to that as well. So I think it's, yes, utilizing Jonathan Taylor. I think they're going to try to get him the ball uh, in the passing game a little bit more, get him the ball in space, but me, maybe being a little more versatile and mixing things up because they've got to have more of a passing game to succeed offensively. Let's talk about the front seven on defense. Wisconsin's known for having just hammers at linebacker, big defensive linemen. How has that group progressed during camp, and how are you feeling about that group on D, the front seven? 
I think they're going to be better, particularly on the defensive line. There are probably still more questions at linebacker just because of who they lost with T.J. Edwards and Ryan Connolly, who went one-two in tackles in each of the last two years, and outside linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle, who was drafted by the Miami Dolphins. So at linebacker, they do return Chris Orr. He didn't get a ton of opportunities last year because Edwards and Connolly uh, just were too good to take off the field. But he has started 16 games. He's played in 36 games in his career. So this is his time to shine as a senior. Uh, they do have Jack Sanborn is going to start with him at inside linebacker. Sanborn played nine games last year as a true freshman, uh, which speaks volumes about his talent, that, that they would uh, not use a redshirt on him. And then at outside linebacker, they've got Zach Bond, who's the leading returning tackler, and Isaiah Green May is going to be the other starter. He really made a move during fall camp. He's got an interesting body. He's 6'6 and 221 pounds. There are not many outside linebackers with a frame like that. Most 6'6 guys are offensive linemen or defensive linemen or tight ends. They're certainly not outside linebackers, so I think he can bring some heat off the edge. Off the edge. And on the defensive line, I think they're going to be much better. They really struggled last year uh, in stopping the run. A lot of that had to do with injuries uh, and inexperience. But now their starting uh, defensive end combo will be Isaiah Loudermilk and Garrett Rand. They were supposed to be the starters last year, but Rand suffered a season-ending Achilles injury, and Loudermilk dealt with injuries himself. And the nose guard will be Bryson Williams, who I know fans in Nebraska are familiar with because he was in Lincoln before in high school. Uh, so I think that uh, they have high hopes for what this front seven can do. All right, talk about this matchup with USF. Interesting on paper, the speed and athleticism of South Florida against the big power of Wisconsin. How do you see this thing going on Saturday? Well, first games of the year are always really tricky to try and uh, pick because we don't know exactly what we're going to see, and that's especially the case for South Florida. Charlie Strong hired a new offensive coordinator who was previously the head coach at Division II Valdosta State. Uh, they were very balanced there, but you know, defensive coordinator Jim Leonard has tried to watch tape on what South Florida did last year, on what Valdosta State did, and there is an element of the unknown here. Uh, I think that Jim is pretty confident that the skill position players will be talented. When you're talking about players uh, that are down in Florida, that's generally the case. So I think this defense will be tested. In some respects, offensively, I feel like it's more about what Wisconsin is able to do and worrying less about South Florida. But these opening games are always interesting because you're not sure exactly what you're going to see. Yeah, especially when you have these contrasting uh, styles going at it here this weekend. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Jesse, we appreciate catching up with us, man. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Look forward to talking again. Thanks so much. All right, thanks. Take care. Northwestern. Let's talk about the Wildcats. And here from the Wildcat Report is Louis Vacare. Who's here to tell us who the starting quarterback is going to be for Northwestern, right, Louie? I wish I knew that. Yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be a pretty popular guy in Evanston right now. Boy, Coach Fitz has played that close to the vest, has he not? Tell us, tell our audience about the battle for quarterback. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, they, they didn't open many practices, and then anything we saw we're not supposed to report on, but they've been alternating snaps. And in the spring, they had five quarterbacks rotating in and out. And then this fall, it's been uh, Hunter Johnson and T.J. Green splitting time. Um, T.J. Green is a fifth-year senior, a former walk-on. He's the son of Trent Green, former NFL quarterback. And um, he's the guy that, uh, you know, can get you in the right play and make the right decisions on where to go with the ball and things like that. And then the other side is Hunter Johnson is the uh, former five-star quarterback, a Clemson transfer. He's got the big arm. He's got the athleticism. He has all the tools and the higher ceiling. So it's kind of... Uh, you know, they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, and Fitz hasn't given out any hints, and we're not going to find out, I don't think, until, uh, you know, 3 o'clock local time when the starter runs out there with the first team in Stanford Stadium. Louis, might it, could it be the case he'll play both? Can you see Fitz doing that? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think whoever does wins. You know, whoever does win the job, I think we'll see the number two as well. I think he'll want to get, uh, you know, the guy's feet wet. And, you know, I don't think it'll be in any kind of a pattern, like, you know, give alternate possessions or anything like that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they both play. In fact, that, that's kind of where I'm leading is that they both play. All right, the Cats with this return trip to Stanford. Northwestern shocked that Christian McCaffrey team a couple of years ago. Break down this matchup for us, would you? Yeah, it's going to be an, an intriguing game. Obviously, we got the whole uh, you know quarterback question for Northwestern, and you know Stanford they lost quite a bit. They lost Bryce Love, they lost the you know JJ Arciaga Whiteside, and you know offensively they they didn't have a great season. I think a key for Northwestern will be putting some pressure on uh, KJ Costello. You know, Fitz really talked him up this week, really compared him a lot to Daniel Jones, uh, who tore up Northwestern the last three years uh, when he was at Duke. So on that side of the ball, I think it's uh, pretty intriguing. And then defensively, Northwestern's going to stop the run and uh, try to force him to throw and then put pressure on Costello. Offensively, they got to run the ball. I mean, I think that no matter who the quarterback is going to be, they're going to have to run the ball and stay balanced to be successful. Well, I love matchups with inside of a game, Louie, and Stanford's offensive line always has such a great reputation. That Northwestern defensive front is going to be really good again. Graziano headlines that group. That ought to be fun to watch, right? The battle in the trenches between those two sides. Oh, yeah. You know, Stanford is traditionally, you know, they like to line up and come right at you, very physical, and uh, that's Northwestern's strength is that front seven. They were very tough against the run last year. I think they were 26th nationally. You know, they really are strong against the run, and that's that's where this game, you know, that's going to be a very interesting thing to see who wins that battle on the line of scrimmage. Sure is. Should be a good one. Northwestern is Stanford, 3 o'clock Saturday on Big Fox. We'll leave a care of the Wildcat Report. Louie, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our first show of the 2019-20 school year. We've given the athletic director the last couple of months off. How was your summer? Well, they go so short. The older yeah. you get, the faster the summers go. You ever notice that? Fly by, don't <laughs> I they? Know. I know it. And really, you know, and of course, you and I were both there, but media days in Chicago, that's the beginning of football season. Sure so uh, summer's over. Folks are excited for this year. Big week. Football, obviously, Saturday. Volleyball, first home match Friday. Soccer, first home match Friday. Fans are excited. They are ready to watch these teams compete. No question, and, and, and you and I have seen that firsthand in our kickoff luncheons, both in Lincoln and in Omaha. Packed houses, uh, just excited and lining up for pictures and anticipation and all of that, which is fun. It, it's so great to see them excited, and uh, now we just got to go out and deliver. Scott's been the head coach for about 18 months. What have you seen? What have you seen out of him and this staff as they try to put this thing back together? Very organized, uh, a real family feeling within the program. Great coaches, uh, tremendous trust from the players. Uh, 
you see physically in our in our football players uh, guys that look like major college football players, and and not only that, just physically, but you, their heads are up, their chests are out. There's a degree of confidence. I think the last half of the season they proved that they can play with nearly anybody, and uh, we got this new recruiting class in, and they're they're going to. Uh, contribute the walk-on program is starting we're starting to see some positive uh, effects on that and and uh, so no it's good and it's uh, it's fun and and uh, our fans should be excited and I know that the national media and the conference media and everybody and of course the local media is shouting us out but that's what we want sure we want that brand to be out there where it belongs and uh, that's the intent so hey hang on let's go I can't wait to listen to you. I never get to listen to you yeah yeah, we'll get you a copy of the broadcast. Yeah, you can listen I, I to hear it while you're pretty you're, good I, while I, you're doing your yoga. You can have some headbuds and <laughs> listen, earbuds and listen to those. Uh, you had some news today. We we had it at the top of the hour. The announcement of a retirement of your bowling coach Bill Straub, a guy that I know you get a kick out of. Oh, I like Bill, and you know you you can like him for a lot of reasons, and one is he's a proven winner. Uh, national championships, uh, uh, really respected as the greatest coach in bowling across Mm -hmm. the country. Um, I'm not going to say he's old because he's my age, but uh, what more can he accomplish? I know it's been hard for him. He started talking to me about this uh, six months ago and just couldn't get there, couldn't get there, and finally uh, he... he, he, uh, he went and, and and said, "Bill, this is, truly is it." And uh, so, hey, uh, wishing him the best. He's not going to go away. We're going to see a lot of Bill, and uh, he'll be at games and events and and so forth. And I don't think he's going to get too far away from the bowling alley either. Very good. He'll he'll his legend will live on with Husker bowling and all the great teams that he has put together. He even had his daughter on the team for a while, and she's good. She's she is very, very good. good. Yep. All-American, very good athlete. Yeah. Earlier in the week, you came to a decision on the future of your softball program. Take take our audience through that and kind of tell us about the decision. Well, it was a long process, and the reason it was a long process is that uh, it needed to be dissected, looked at. the, there were some concerns from the players uh, about the the uh, coaching staff, and 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 it it was enough that I felt we had to take a look at it. And those are the kind of things, uh, especially with a a coach of uh, Rhonda's stature, who's who's a Hall of Famer, who has won championships, has coached here 27 years. Um, I didn't want to make a snap decision. I never do on these things, and and uh, so we we uh, took took our time. It was a priority all summer um i i kept it there and uh really felt at the end of the day uh with some changes and some of the approach that uh the best the best course of action was to reinstate her and go forward on into the fall here and uh and uh, play ball the alcohol thing has been a big buzz in this offseason. A lot of schools around the country have gone to it. I'm sure you're monitoring that. We're monitoring it, and it's really in, in response to uh, declining attendance in college football. And uh, part of that, uh, really, Greg, has to do with everything's on TV, live. 
Uh, there's a variety of different start times. We're going to play, uh, we're going to kick it off this Saturday at 11. Uh, in a month from now, it may be 7.30 at night. Yeah. Uh, and anything in between. There are games on weeknights. Uh, we'll see Friday games. Of course, uh, Black Friday is, is, is etched in stone now, but uh, there's a lot of options and reasons not to come. So uh, a lot, and, and there have been studies as well that uh, going ahead and controlling alcohol sales within the venue um, leads to less incidents than not providing it because people are loading up before the game. They're going out at halftime and hitting it hard and uh, and really are of no help to the team uh, and the total game experience for the, for the rest of the fans. So, um, again, not saying we're going that direction, but it, it, we need to take a look at it. And Husker Power, Boyd Epley's creation of strength training at the University of Nebraska, celebrating their 50th anniversary. They've got a big banquet Friday night. They're going to be recognized on the field. Nebraska was innovative oh, in strength and training, weren't they? You know, um, that was back the year that I started playing college football, 1969. That was the 100th anniversary right. of the college game. This year is 150th, mm-hmm. which coincides with um, the 50th anniversary, as you mentioned, of Husker Power. And it was off the charts. There was nobody doing the things that Boyd was doing. And, and he will, he, I, when, when he stepped away from actually being the strength coach, um, I wanted him to concentrate on this celebration. And he has, along with our staff, done a wonderful job. And there are going to be individuals that are going to be honored that are the lifters of the half century. Uh, it'll be so much fun. But uh, there, there were techniques and equipment and things used 50 years ago that were unheard of. And Nebraska got way out in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, through the years, people have copied and caught up with us. And now we're surging ahead again. And, and this, is, this is just a little reminder and a celebration of, hey, this is Nebraska. There's no place like Nebraska. We were ahead of the game and in the strength and conditioning piece, the nutrition component on down the line and our intent I know while I'm in the chair is to to bring all that back and bring ourselves to our rightful place in all those areas and I'll tell you Greg when that happens and we're close the scoreboard will reflect it absolutely it's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkerman and Mick Steiner. Well, there's a lot to talk about tonight, but the first thing I want to bring up is I wonder if the the, uh, sound effects that we got there were Randy calling in the first hour, if he's the one that was doing the auctioneering there. Oh, that could be. If we ever need new sounders, Randy could just do it. Yeah. I bet he would be up for it. Have him drop into the studio and and lay down a track for us. Of auctioneering. Also, Mick is with us for the first time on Buy Sell. So hey, Mick. Wow, Mick. Hello, welcome, hello. Welcome to Buy Sell. Yeah, he is. He is here. He is present, and it's a, a momentous occasion. It's the end of 
season 11 and the start of season 12 tonight. Also, it's the first time that we've played, like you said, Greg, four weeks. It was Ooh, July 31st the last time we played by cell. So. Well, Ben's been on a month-long vacation. Yeah, yeah. Just, as we said last week, Josh, while he was gone, his next day off is Christmas Day, I yeah. believe. <laughs> We're going to put him to work. That's what it's going to feel like. Yeah, seriously. All right, well, without further ado, let's jump into the answers that we have. And we actually have a couple of future questions that were asked before uh, we last played on July 31st. The first one is from March 27th of this year. It was an MLB fantasy future question, and it went like this. By yourself, that Brett would finish better than Josh in their fantasy baseball league that they drafted the night prior. The answer is already done. What? And a month ago. I know. And it's it's actually, I'm embarrassed to say it, it's a bye. Brett did finish better than Josh. That's insane. Uh it, the record, what happened, Josh? I don't. I don't know. Well, Brett. Brett's currently seventeen and three in the last week of the regular season. I'm eleven and nine. So seventeen. And th- he doesn't know anything about baseball. I. I don't know what happened, but he got lucky. So that's insane. You guys both sold it. You both got it wrong. I obviously sold and got it wrong. Brett got it right because he bought it and. It's a, I, the only good thing about this. The only thing positive that I can draw is that he's not here to gloat about it. So. That's true. Gee, that guy he, knows nothing about baseball. Here's he the thing, too. Lucky. He's been talking about it all summer long. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about this. I can't wait to bring then this one up. Then we do it tonight. He's yeah. gone. Yeah. Well, Take that, Brett. He shouldn't be gone on uh, Wednesday game week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So we have another baseball future bet from July 17th. We asked you to buy or sell that the home run derby participants would combine for at least 15 home runs between that date and the end of July. And Greg bought, Ben sold. Greg was right because there was exactly 15. They got it on the last day. They did? Well, you would think, right? It was right on the last day. It was the last game, wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, well, we played by sell on July 31st, and uh, I remember it was... We were keeping track of it. It hadn't happened. It was a two-week-long thing. Yeah, going so into the fact that day, that they got so. it on the last day. Was exactly. It, it went right down to the wire. It was the, la- it was the last game, and I think Santana hit it in like the fifth inning. It was. It was Carlos Santana. Jeez, right. you were tracking well, it, Well, huh? Josh had brought the that question up to my attention that day. Yeah. So I, I had known about it. Yeah. Well, by the way, I should, update, I should have done this at the beginning. Going into this week, uh, ben, you were down three points, so you need to make up three. And that was one future question that we did not ask the last time we played. And so it was a, a chance for you to make up yeah. make up a point, and instead it went the other It'll way. It'll be tough now. Yep. All right, we go to questions that were asked the last time we played, a Husker men's basketball question. Buy or sell that Nebraska would win at least three of their four games in Italy. The answer was a buy as they won all four of their games. Greg, you bought it and were correct. Ben, wrong with a sell. Having Cam Mack did not matter. The four of us could have recruited a guy and, you know, <laughs> and, and might have been able to win one. You know, the funny thing, I can admit this now, I thought they were playing five games. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, three and two, yeah. And then afterwards you're like, there's no one playing four. I'm like, what? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this right now. <laughs> yeah. I Had I known what that level of competition was like. All right, on to a – Onto a buy-sell from the red-white game in volleyball. We asked you to buy or sell that the red team beat the white team and the white team won at least one set. Greg and Ben both bought, and it was a sell. It was a 3-0 win for yeah, the red team. Yeah, he stacked the teams, didn't he? Yeah. He sure did. 
He even moved a, one of the best players he on the did. white team to the red, after yeah. Capri Davis, after she oh, yeah? was on fire. He, she, he moved her from the white to the red. Come so. on over. Yep. There you go. All right, moving along here to a college football question by herself that there would be a combined 90 points scored in the Miami-Florida game and the Arizona-Hawaii game. That was a easily a buy. It was 127 points scored between those two games, so way more than was needed, 37 more. You guys both bought that, and you were both right. I thought they were going to get it in that Hawaii One, game alone. Yeah, game alone. almost did. The, the key to that was, you know, you, you couldn't get like a 10-7 Florida Miami right. game. And once that got 24-20, it, yeah, it was pretty well over. Yep. All right, sticking in college football, we asked you to buy or sell that there would be a defensive or special teams touchdown in the Miami-Florida Miami game. Greg and Ben, you were both smart betters, but not fun betters. You sold it, and it was a sell. Yeah. That's just hard to get Probably the, Probably what? 70-30 that that's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Although... I feel like both of those teams play a little bit more aggressive football. And it's early. And you have a lot of that stuff early. Some things like that. All right. Major League Baseball is our next topic. Buy or sell that Zach Greinke would record at least three wins or 40 strikeouts by the end of play August 27th, which happened to be yesterday. The answer was a buy. Greinke, since he moved over to the Astros, he has a 4-0 record in his four starts. Just 15 strikeouts, but that doesn't matter. It's still a buy. Ben, you bought it, and you're right, Greg, wrong with a sell. Yeah, I mean, you're on the Astros. All you got to do is make sure you get five innings, yeah. and yeah. you got a good shot. His well, first outing, he didn't pick. I think he gave up like five runs, but yeah. they won like eight to five. Yeah, he, so he got the win. He hasn't one. been stellar, but he's gone right about six innings each time out, right. and his team supported him. So 15 strikeouts is all he has? That's all in four games. Holy that's not moly. even four per game. That's not what they traded for. <laughs> I mean, he's still 4-0, so I'd take it. Sticking in the major leagues, buying or, buying or selling that the Washington Nationals are three games back or closer in the NL East at the end of play on August 27th. Everybody sold, and it was a sell. They're still five and a half games back. They're, they're in pretty good shape for the wild card. Yes. They've done a good job of that. Yeah, we had asked that question after they had made a bunch of acquisitions. Yeah. Uh, at the trade deadline, and they they played well, and they yeah they've done some good things in the wild card race, but the Braves have basically kept them at arm's length. Are they winning tonight? I do not know. Nationals? Yeah, yeah, eight four. Okay, there you go. Yeah, they're playing the Orioles, so yes, they're winning. All right, next question that we have an answer to is from tennis by ourselves that at least one top eight seed would lose in the first round of the U.S. Open. It could be on the men's or women's side. The answer a bye. Two lost that were a top eight seed. The four and eight seed on the men's side both lost. Greg, you bought it and were right. Ben, incorrect with the sell. Was that tennis we were talking about? Yes, tennis. Te- team lost. He's like the four seed, and then that guy, the goofy name was the seven seed. I yep. can't think his name. Yep. He cramped up. That's what it'll cost him. <sighs> Drink more water, dude. Come on. All right, on to Premier League soccer. We asked you guys to buy or sell that Manchester City and Liverpool would combine for at least 12 goals in their first three games of the season. Three games each, six total. Greg and Ben both bought, and you were both correct. They combined for 13 goals. We know our soccer. (laughs) Yeah, that's right down our alley. (laughs) Two high-powered offenses there. Our wheelhouse. Right right up our alley. We'll we'll see if there's more soccer to come tonight. I hope so. (laughs) I'm going to get it right. There you go. Our last answer here is from the NFL preseason. We asked by ourselves that Patrick Mahomes would score at least three touchdowns in the first three preseason games for the Chiefs. 
could be a touchdown of any kind. It was a sell, though. He had just one touchdown, a touchdown pass in the third game of the preseason, and you guys both sold that, and you were both right. Just didn't think he'd play enough. Fine with me, as long as he's healthy for week one. They saw what the Steelers were doing, the Steelers' game plan, and they're like, nope, we're not doing this. I'm not going to let you stay out there. You're there, done. There you go. Well, by, by the way, I'm tired of watching videos of him like throwing footballs out of the stadium. Stop that. Throwing footballs at drones, trying to explode them. Yeah. Like, let's just be done with that. Yeah. All right. Well, Mick is making his way into the studio oh, and, and handing out the certificates, the final totals. This week, Greg, you were 8 of 11, Ben, 6 of 11. So the three-point lead went to five. The final totals, 111 to 106. And, Greg, you are now the champion of buy-sell for the sixth time wow. in buy-sell history, breaking the 5-5 tie. And my margin of win was what again? You won by five, five. points. Okay. So Margin of win, like, doesn't really – shouldn't matter, though. Right. The overall – so we've played 11 seasons now. We've answered 2,040 questions. Oh, wow. And, Greg, your current lead is 23-and-a-half over Ben. It's a lot of questions. Overall number. That yeah. is a lot of questions. It's yeah. a whole lot. So, and this is actually an interesting little stat here that I found today. You guys both set your all-time high in uh, win percentage, basically, or question answering right percentage. Greg, you were 64.5%. Wow. And Ben, you were 61.6%, but that was both of you guys's. And we were terrible last season. So this was an improvement. Yes. Wasn't this the year you went like 11 for 10 one the week? Fir- the first week. I think it was the very first week. Yeah. You were 11 out of 10. I had to reel you in from there. Well, you had a you had a posit- you had a over 500 or over 1,000. One, two, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I had over 1,000. You might have gone perfect, but I don't Yeah, I don't think that. I think, Ben, that, that record belongs to you. So. It'll never be broken. Yeah. I, it was actually fun going back through. I, I went back through every single season and looked at them. I had forgotten about the, the season that you guys tied. That was season eight when you both finished with 82 correct. And then, Greg, you won the tiebreaker. Um, There's the season that, Greg, you beat Ben by, like, 22 points. There was a giant blowout yeah. there. And then the season. Season four is probably the, the greatest one that will never be matched where – Ben, you came back from like Ridiculous. twelve down to win, win by one. Just the like the best week. season of The Office, season four. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, enough talking about this one and in, in the past. Let's jump into what is right now and what's in the future. So, let's uh, let's get season twelve underway. And we start with Husker football, appropriately enough. And the first question is: Buy or sell that one of Nebraska's first five plays from scrimmage will be thirty yards or longer? One of their first five? Yeah, will be 30 yards or longer from scrimmage. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. There Man, you what a fun question to start. Yeah, I love it. 30 yards or more in the first five. Well, I'm still a little bitter I lost, so I'm going to disagree just to be different, <laughs> so I'm going to sell it. There you go. I like it. We're going to score on the first drive. Come out firing, yeah, but it's going to be precision, Yeah, we're just going to nickel and dime them and rip their hearts out. (laughs) I love it. All right, sticking with the Huskers, we're going to ask you to buy or sell that Nebraska outgains USA by at least 225 offensive yards. Buy. That was quick. Big chunk, 225. It's going to be 550 to... 285 or something like that. When they played here in 
2015. They only managed 19 yards on the ground in that game. Not good, Bob. Um, (laughs) 225, though. That's a lot. But I'm going to buy it. Yeah. It is funny, though. Like you, You put that number out there, 225, but when you start thinking about Nebraska last year averaged a lot of yards right. around 550 per game and then right so yeah I can see Nebraska getting 550 and I don't know that I see South Alabama getting over 300 so right. there you go there it is that's the number okay let's move on to Husker volleyball with our next question buy or sell that Nebraska will have a player total 30 kills between the two matches this weekend they play Creighton and UCLA so 30 kills total between the two matches what Capri Davis have in the red I think she had 18 and that was just in three sets. That's Creighton's, the thing, too, is that... Yeah, Creighton's good enough to take a set, I think, right. for Nebraska. So that could well, go four. Last year it went five. Could go five. UCLA, I don't know how good they are. I don't think they're ranked. Um, man, 30's a bunch. I think it's a shade too high. I'm going to sell it. Okay. I'm buying. All right. You want an extra point and say it's Michaela Fecky that gets it done? It's going to be hard for her to do it from the stands. <laughs> I'll say uh, I'll go I'll go Jazz Sweet. All right for the bonus point. I love it. All right, on to a fun game that I'm looking forward to in college football. Buy? Do you guys buy or sell that the winner of the Oregon Auburn game will outscore their opponent in both the first half and the second half? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> the winner of the game outscores both. Who do you like in the game? Auburn. Okay. Even with a freshman quarterback. Yep. I'm going to sell that. Okay. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I think it's hard to outscore. Those are two fairly even teams. I could. I can see somebody nudging each one each half, so I'll sell it too. It's really easy to tie in a half too. Yeah. True. Yeah. Very true. Has to be at least one point better in both. Right. Sticking with college football here, buy or sell that there will be at least 18 touchdowns scored between the Houston-Oklahoma game and the Notre Dame-Louisville game. And I don't think Louisville is very good at all. Houston-Oklahoma, there could be 18 touchdowns scored in that one alone. Now, I think it's a little too high. I think I'm going to sell. What were the games again? Houston, Oklahoma. And Notre Dame, Louisville. So those are the Sunday and Monday games. And the number was 18? 18 That's touchdowns. Sunday night, Monday night games. Can be t- any kind of touchdown. It doesn't have to be offensive. And by the way, we will be here Monday night. We may be the only local show to have on Labor Day, but we're here. We're going to be locked in. Yeah. All right, we have. I haven't answered ben hasn't yet. answered yet. Hang on, hang on. Ben's taking his time. I know you're excited, Mick. It's your first one. You're you're a little fired up I am here, excited. but my wheels are still turning here. 18 touchdowns in the first two or those two games. That seems like a bunch. Why not? Give me some offense. I'll buy it. O- Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, you better not be a bust, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
So the the uh, college football future buy sell that I was dying to get in on was that the Big Ten division winners go undefeated in their non-conference games. Just in their non-con games? Yep. Correct. Oh, uh, why are you here, doing this to me? Here's the funky thing. Last year, Northwestern ran away with the West, and they went 0-3 yeah. Yeah. in the non-con. That's it. And they One were. of the reasons for the question. Yeah, yeah Purdue has uh, a tough schedule. Let me steal. Basically, we're just trying to make a point here that that really doesn't matter what happens in the non-conference. I mean, it does to some extent, but doesn't determine the so season. So the winner of both divisions go undefeated in non-con. You got it. Man, this is hard. That's my brain working right there, all that static. We, we, we got it. We got to get to lane. Selling. Soon here. Sell yeah. it. I'm buying. All right. There you go. Let's move on to a Major League Baseball question here. Buy or sell that the Minnesota Twins break the single-season team record before September 11th? Coming at me again with that? The Twins break the single-season team record for home runs before September 11th. Where are they at now? They are 11 shy. Coming into By today. By September 11th? Yes. Before September 11th. Oh, yeah. I'm buying. Bye. Wow, that was Is quick. Is that fast enough? Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> I love it. He's playing ready golf there. How about, uh, I'm going to ask Lane about Pete Alonzo set the Mets franchise record for home runs as a rookie. He's coming after Judge's rookie homer That's record. Crazy. Yeah. He's impressive. I saw a crazy stat. I know that we're, we're trying to move things along, but... That's the first time a rookie has set a franchise record for home runs since, like, 1939 or something. Wow. Doggy. All right, so on to the NFL. Buy or sell that Indianapolis Colts quarterbacks combined to throw, combined to throw for at least 26 touchdowns in the regular season? No chance. Sell. <laughs> Is it br- Who's the quarterback now? Jacoby Brissett. How about Brissett. this? How about this for trivia? I watched Andrew Luck play his last NFL game. You did? In person. Um, 26. That seems high. I'll sell. <laughs> Just so you know, the, the line was set by in-house Colts expert Austin, Austin Norman. Norman. So. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, last question here comes from Tennis. The U.S. Open by ourselves that Serena Williams sweeps her next two matches. One of which comes later tonight. Um, I'm going to sell. Usually some early in these tournaments, she kind of loses focus and will drop a set. So I'm going to sell it. Okay. She's the best that ever was and ever is. I'm buying. <laughs> there you go. Be a tank, Serena. My man. I love it. There you go. That's it. That's that's the start of season 12. Nice. Some didn't think it'd last this long. <laughs> Who nope. thought we'd be, we'd be canceled? Who? By now. <laughs> nope. Season just keeps getting renewed. <laughs> gets renewed. <laughs> we started without anybody sponsoring us, and now Famous Dave's just, is, yeah. is Famous Dave's is with us. Bringing us food. Yeah, when's that happening? Tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Yes. Something to look forward to. Yes. 
getting ready for volleyball and soccer over the weekend. The soccer team opened their season last week in Lawrence, got beat by the Jayhawks. They'll have their home opener Friday night at Hibner Stadium against Clemson and volleyball with a pair of home matches this weekend. Friday against the Creighton Blue Jays, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, then Saturday night against UCLA as their season gets underway. We had our first John Cook show that came your way uh, last night. So busy week here on, on Sports Nightly with John Cook last night, Bill Moose tonight, and then Scott Frost in studio tomorrow night. So some heavy hitters coming your way here on Sports Nightly. Looking forward to having the head football coach in tomorrow night as we're getting closer. By In fact, by this time tomorrow, We'll have college football on the tube. There's some pretty interesting matchups tomorrow in college football. One in the Big Ten, Minnesota hosts South Dakota State. Then you have the the biggest game nationally tomorrow, UCLA at Cincinnati. Nebraska slated to play Cincinnati next year. So that'll be a pretty interesting matchup tomorrow night. How about that? College football on Yeah. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on Hotline. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse. thanks to ben to josh to mick and to all of you for listening tonight have a great night talk to you again tomorrow